Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. We will be joined by Eric Tressler and Dave Hastings in a matter of minutes here. We do want to thank everybody for listening to us. No matter how you listen to us, whether it is on the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network, of course, we are rebroadcast and redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So thank you, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us, no matter how you're listening to us. We have a good show for you tonight. Again, Dave and Eric will be here in a little while. We may or may not have a Larry Schmelrose slash Eric Pfeiffer sighting for the first time in a while. But we do have a lot to talk about one way or another here. We have the NBA playoffs to talk about. Of course, the Boston Celtics uh, did complete their sweep of the Brooklyn Nets last night. Ben Simmons did not play to no one's surprise. Uh, It's really unfortunate the way that whole story went down. Everybody's questioning the guy's heart, the guy's desire. And maybe it is a physical thing, but uh, it's, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. The rumors were maybe he'd be able to come back for this series. The series is now over. He did not come back. And if you're really concerned about coming back and being one of the only players to have the two consecutive games be elimination losses, if that's really what you're concerned about, maybe you don't belong in the league. So we'll talk about NBA in a little while. Um, oh boy. So this was normally the point in time where I like to vamp and stretch things out and talk about a certain baseball team that is near and dear with me, but I can't do that at this particular moment because once he gets his audio working, we have a return to celebrate and he is here. No, unmute yourself. You better unmute yourself. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, at long last, Eric Pfeiffer has returned. Eric Pfeiffer, how you doing? No, 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 don't play that. Get Eric Pfeiffer here. Schmel Rose can come on later. Where's Eric Pfeiffer? Oh, hello. How are you? Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. How you been, man? It's been a while. Hanging in, hanging out. You know, I've, my uh, my game is late this week, so... I was able to get Larry over and uh, join in. Good. And we can we can obviously start off with hockey. And if Schmelrose would like to come on, that is fine. But I wanted the original article on here first before we let your buddy, who I know you have a love-hate relationship with, on the show. So I wanted All to right. welcome him back. But before we do that, someone else has joined the room. Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? Uh, considering uh, the gentlemen that are joining us this evening, uh, I'm yes. pretty happy camper and looking forward to uh, 
hearing what I believe is the best deep voice on this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Fife, before you let Schmelro steal some spotlight, it's it's been a while since you've been on here. Do you have anything you would like to bring up, sir? Uh, no, just um, I'm I'm looking forward to Thursday night. Um, see what happens. Uh, like I said, I really hope that they only use one of the top picks and then use the other one for sort of uh, some value, uh, maybe gain something. Because as far as I'm concerned, the Giants this is a lost season coming up. Um, oh. You know, and they just need to set themselves up to have a strong off season next season, and then next off season, and then be competitive uh, the following year at least competitive for that NFC East. I, I really think it's a lost cause this year. The other teams are just getting stronger and um, they, they need to retool. So uh, I don't, I mean, I think that next year is where the big value is in the draft. So I'm hoping that they, you know, maybe move back with the seventh or something of that nature. You know, I'd like to see them take a, a good offensive tackle, uh, maybe bol- try and bolster the offense up as much as possible this year. And then from there, um, work on that defense next year. Because I think that's where you're going to have some – because I think the, the top defensive prospects are coming off the board um, before seven as far as edge rushers go. And um, I think Jacksonville is just pulling everybody's chain, trying to make everybody watch the first pick. I'm pretty sure they, they say they don't know who they're taking, but I, I guarantee you they know who they're taking. Who do you think it is? I think it's the guy – I can't remember his name. But I think it's the guy out of Michigan. Um, Position? Uh, edge rusher. Uh, ah. I just read about him. Uh, he had better stats. There's two edge, ru- two big edge rushers. Up oh, the um, I think I know who you're talking about. His first name is Chase, right? Yeah, and he had he had a little bit better stats than the guy out of Georgia. Again, I'm not remembering names right now because I've been so dialed in on looking at hockey stuff that the football is kind of in the back of my mind. But uh, I think he had better stats on not as good of a team, and to me, that means something. He was in the Heisman mm-hmm. running, too, I believe, as an edge rusher. Oh, I'm trying to find it. It's failing me. So I can't I can't help you on the name. I feel like I know who you're talking about. He's been on part of my take a couple times. So I know who you're talking about. But, um, okay. Fair enough there. All the best on that. I, I'll be honest. Like, the Giants are the Giants and everything. But I think Dave can agree. Uh, Cowboys have shit to bed this offseason, too. So you guys didn't get worse. That's what you got going for you. We got worse this offseason. So let that give you some solace there. Yeah, but we couldn't get worse. I mean, if we got worse, geez. It can always be worse. It can always be worse, my friend. You could have a Roku that doesn't want to work after your remote batteries died. So that's my that's my contribution to you. Hasn't been a good afternoon. Anyway, first, first world problems, ladies and gentlemen. First world problems. Yeah, I got a TV with a Roku that I can't use. Anyway, um, all right, Fife, if you got nothing else, I, I'm sure your boy Larry Schmelrose is a little upset with me for letting you go first, but I had, I had to do it. I felt like it was only right. So if Schmelrose wants to come in, I know he's got some hockey he wants to talk about. He got some things he wants to talk about. Just tell him don't be too mad with me and he can come in. Yeah, he's chomping at the bit. I got to call him over quietly, though, because my little guy's sleeping, and I'm not letting that jerk off wake up my kid. You know? I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Larry Schmelrose here. How you guys doing? Schmelrose, welcome back to the program, buddy. How you been? 
I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm hanging out with this asshole Fife over here, but, uh, you know, it's the only downfall of my evening. Yeah, I'm sure it's a sacrifice. <laughs> All right. I, I'm never going to get tired of this shtick. I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Um, Eric has tried to provide some hockey op- updates over the last few weeks, and I know we're getting close to the playoffs here. Tell us about it. I know you got a big prediction you want to crow about, and it's only right that you get to crow about it. What did you predict on this show last year that may, in fact, come to pass? Well, my preseason cup winner was the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Currently, they have 116 points um, overall. Uh, It doesn't look like they're going to win a president's trophy, though, because, well, I mean, Florida's got zero games remaining. Colorado's got three. So they went out. Uh, maybe they could um, win the presidents, but um, yeah, I thought Colorado had the best team coming into the year. They got that 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 youth is just getting older, uh, more more um, veteran status to that lineup with those young guys, and I feel like Kel McCarr is probably the best young defenseman we've seen, maybe a decade uh, at least. You know, the guy's got everything skating, passing, shooting. Um, he's a defenseman, and he reads the game at a level second to none, uh, maybe second to Connor McDavid. As far as defenseman goes, I would put him as the Connor McDavid of defenseman. The guy's just amazing. So it looks like um, right now, you know, you have the, the Western Conference. There's still a couple teams fighting. Uh, for that last wild card spot, you have Vegas in the hunt, and they say Vancouver's in the hunt, but I'm, you know, I think they're out. They're trailing Dallas by six points with three games to go. Um, you have Vegas is actually playing Dallas tonight, I believe. Let me just double check that. Yeah, so that's a big game because Vegas is back on Dallas in that wild card hunt for uh, by three points. So if they can win in regulation, they narrow that down to one point. But the thing is that Vegas has three games left. Dallas has three games left. Dallas has been very good at home. All three of their games are at home. Uh, Vegas's three are on the road. And Robin Lehner just bowed out for uh, season-ending shoulder surgery. Um, So that's their top goalie. Their backup Thompson, young guy, Logan Thompson. He's done all right, 9-5-1 in his last 10 Two six four goals against average. Uh, I just don't think he's the guy that's going to get him over the hump in the playoffs. The Jack Eichel thing didn't really work out for them. So whereas they say there are two teams still in the hunt in the West, I pretty much think it's locked up as far as uh, the teams that are going to be in there. And it's looking like you're going to have Colorado play Dallas in the first round. Now, Dallas seems to perform very well in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be able to beat Colorado. Hmm. Uh, another team sort of on the cusp is the Nashville Predators. Um, UC Soros starting there. He's their starting goalie for the first time. Uh, it's the first time he's not under Pecorino's wing. And uh, he's starting to wear down a little bit. He's played about 66 games so far. Um, 
they have 94 points. Again, I think they're going to stay in the playoffs. But the thing is, is they've been playing playoff hockey for the last month, month and a half because they've just been battling, grinding it out. You guys know as well as I do, um, for those who don't know, playoff hockey is a lot different than regular season hockey. Uh, the refs sort of put their whistle in their pocket a little bit more. Um, it's a lot more physical, and that's the type of game Nashville's been playing. So even if they can get past a good Calgary team in the first round, um, I just don't see them coming out of the second round. Uh, I think they're just going to be worn down. Their goalie's getting used to playing a lot. Um, so the Western conference is shaken out. I think the teams that are in are going to stay in, in my opinion, but I still think Colorado is the favorite. And to be perfectly honest with you, uh, as far as seeds going uh, on, I think this might be the most boring playoffs. If you can say that the NHL seen in a while, because my personal opinion uh, is that Florida will play Colorado. The two number one seeds will play each other in the Stanley cup final because Florida is, I've seen them down three, four goals in some games and they battle back and they win, even though, you know, they've had playoffs locked up for a bit. Um, the East has kind of just been the top eight teams jockeying for position over the last month because the next closest team is the Islanders and they're 20 points out. Um, so the East has just kind of been jockeying for position and Florida just keeps fighting. They picked up Claude Giroux at the trade deadline. I think that was a monster ad. Philly went and let them, you know, they let him play his thousand games as a flyer. Um, and then they traded him off to give him a chance to win. And I really think that's going to be our matchup. I mean, those are the two best teams right now. Um, you got Florida versus Colorado, I think, is going to be the Stanley Cup final. But I can break down some of these matchups if you guys want to hear it. It's up to you. If you have any questions, um, I can answer them to the best of my ability. I've been trying to keep up as best I can. Well, I tell you what, before we do that, someone's been sitting here waiting to be introduced. So I want to introduce him real quick. Eric Tressler is here tonight. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing all right. It's just always better to be a part of the conversation than just sitting on hold waiting to be a part of it. So yeah, uh, no, I called. I didn't see it. I think. It's Sorry, yeah. buddy. I was I was babbling. It's my fault. No, no, no. no, no it's my fault. We've been sorely missing the last few weeks. So with playoffs coming up, by all means, take the floor. Yeah, go I ahead. Mean, you have anything? Have you bad mouthed my Rangers yet? Or, or uh... I haven't. Um, he didn't get I actually. I actually think that the addition of Andrew Kopp at the trade deadline was very big for them because it gave them something down the middle. Um, I think they beat Pittsburgh. I think they bow out in the second round. Um, I just don't think they're there yet, but they are leaps and bounds ahead of what I thought they were for sure. I mean, they put up 108 points with three games to go, uh, but all three home games. Uh, it's looking like they're going to line up against Pittsburgh to start it out. Um, I feel like Pittsburgh's getting a little old and tired and they're kind of on the tail end of making the playoffs. You know, they're going to have to start to either retool within the next couple of years or rebuild. It depends. You know, when you talk about stuff like that, like retooling or rebuild, you look at the Los Angeles Kings have done a great job of infusing youth with veteran leadership. Um, I don't believe they beat Edmonton. Or right now they're lined up to play Edmonton in the first round. I don't believe they beat Edmonton. I think – it's going to be a great matchup when Colorado meets Edmonton, um, whether it be the second or third round will depend on how the seeds shake out, you know, after the first round. But again, I don't think anybody in the West is beating Colorado. I agree with you there. I mean, you're, you've been spot on with the Colorado thing. We brought it up a couple of times over the last few weeks. I know I brought it up last week. 
Oh, I know Mike's brought it up from time to time, too, about how you have picked the Avalanche of Colorado from even the end of last season. So, uh, but they yeah. have so because of that, I've been trying to like look at them, follow them a little bit. They've been killing it all year. So, um, they definitely look like the toughest team in the West for sure and look like Tina should come out of there. If it's not, it's probably a disappointment, right? I think it would be, you know, they've been adding that, that young talent just been getting more and more experienced. Uh, they've had a couple of playoff exits over the last couple of years. And I think I was even talking about them being this year's not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but I think I was talking about it even midway through last year's playoffs. Like that wasn't their year, but I think this is their year. But then again, Florida, man, Florida is scary. So it's going to be hard. But I was saying, I don't know if you were in yet. I was saying, I think the two number one seeds are end up going to actually end up playing each other, uh, which doesn't always happen quite often in hockey. But I think the two number one seeds are going to play each other in the finals. Um, you know, Carolina's a solid team. They had a scare a few days ago. Both their starting goalies went down, but it looks like anti around to see the NHL is sort of their goalie situation. In the NHL is sort of shifted to like the running back situation in the NFL to like give a comparison, whereas it's a one, a one B scenario, which at first I didn't think was very good, but it, it just makes the coach's decision-making very difficult because when do you pull the plug on that 1A and put in 1B? Minnesota's dealing with the same thing. You have, they brought Marc-Andre Fleury over at the deadline. It's not like Cam Talbot's been playing horrible, um, but you know it, who are they going to go with? And then if something starts to falter, when do you pull that plug? Like how much of a leash do you give that guy? And that's something that's kind of new now in the NHL. I think, you know, I talked about it last year in the playoffs. I thought Vegas kind of messed that up um, when they went away from him too soon. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's hard to tell, but it looks like they're going to get it. It's Frederick Anderson is kind of doubtful, maybe probable to come back, but anti Ranta should be back. And I believe that they should handle Boston pretty well in the first round. Um, again, I think New York beats Pittsburgh. Um, Toronto-Tampa is going to be probably one of the more fun series to watch because I think Florida is just going to roll over Washington. In fact, Ovechkin left last night with a pretty bad upper body injury, so we don't even know where he's going to be at to start the playoffs. Um, although Washington's fared okay against Florida. They lost by a goal in overtime. Um, they beat them by a goal and then they lost by a goal in regulation in their three matchups this year. Um, but so Tampa Toronto, I think is the biggest first round matchup when you're looking at the Eastern conference for excitement wise, because Toronto has been known, like there's a lot of pressure on those guys. They've been known to falter in the first round. Um, a lot of flack is given to Austin Matthews, who is one of the best players in the league right now. But a lot of people like to get on his case. Uh, if he has a few games where he's off. And you have all that experience in Tampa. But with back-to-backs, I mean, you know, it's hard to make that third run. And Toronto's going to be hungry. They want to get that monkey off their back. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. And Pittsburgh versus New York. If I'm not mistaken, though, aren't they? I hate, to cut, I hate to cut you off. No, I love it, too. But, I mean, I like isn't rambling. Toronto kind of like snake-bitten? Like, aren't they kind of like the – Absolutely. Like, they're kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of, of hockey – yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's what I'm saying, where they're trying they, – they really want to get that monkey off their back, and it's a tough – I mean, they, they're drawing Tampa in the first round. I mean, that's a tough way to get young. your monkey, that monkey off your back there. But with that said, I, I mean, if, if you're going to do it, you know, you're gonna, you want to do it against a team like that. Because if you go out and you beat the 
you'd say the eight seed. I mean, all right, so you beat the eight seed. People are still going to be questioning you going into the second round. For me, as a player, if I'm on this team that's been getting ridiculed and, you know, they can't get out of the first round, they keep losing in the playoffs, bring on Tampa. Because if I beat them in the first round, then I know going in the second round that all that chatter stops because you just beat the back-to-back cup champs. Okay. Dave, you got anything you want to throw in? Honestly, I'm just on cloud nine right now. Listen, so please, Schmelrose, keep it going. Um, (laughs) Actually, I am curious to know, um, you know, when it comes down to not really, like, obviously, it's like you know who you believe is going to be there, but like outside of the two one seeds, like who might be the the dark horse? Who might be the team that you know Vegas? you know others around that you know watch the games and follow the league closely like who's that dark horse team that could really end up surprising people and and end up making a special run um i think i mean you can't really call tampa a dark horse nobody's going to be surprised if they do it um carolina is going to depend on their goalie situation strong team Honestly, a dark horse that could make a run that would surprise the hell out of me would, and it's not because I'm a Devils fan, it's not because I hate them, would be the Rangers because I feel like they're young and they're they're over the hump that they were trying to get over. I don't think they're over the hump to where they're making the Stanley Cup Finals, but it's New York. I mean, when stuff starts going right, stuff really goes right there. So that's a team that could do it. And honestly – like Eric said, they're snake bitten. I think Toronto's got the team to do it. It's just can they can they get that monkey off their back? And that's tough when you're a team and you have that riding on your back. And it's always in the back of your mind whether you try and block it out or not. Um, so I, I honestly think Florida is going to do really well. They have the team, but I think the Rangers can give anybody a run for their money right now. Like I said, they're gonna. I think they're going to beat Pittsburgh. It's going to be a great series. Probably go six, um, but. They'll beat Pittsburgh, and then they ha- when you get that youth moving like that, and you get them going, like you never know, you know. Especially in that city, that city's an amazing city. Things happen in that city, and when things go well, they go well. As far as the West goes, um, you know, if Nashville can keep their energy level up, I think Nashville would be a dark horse at ninety-four points that could make a run. Right now, they got a tough matchup against Calgary, but like I said, I feel like they're going to be able to beat Calgary. Um, they've beat them twice already. They play each other tonight. Um, so Nashville would be one that wouldn't, that would surprise everybody. And then you can never rule out a team that has Connor McDavid on it. Edmonton. Um, you know, they're scary just because of that factor. Um, my problem with the Rangers is I just don't think that they have – I think they need to add a little bit of – Andrew Kopp was a great addition at the trade deadline, but I think they just need a little more through that bottom six forward line. I think their blue lines worked out pretty well. Their top two lines are worked out really well, but that bottom six, um, I, I don't think Ryan Reeves was enough of an addition to add the physicality that they're going to need. Um, but they are a team that they could make a run. It would surprise me, but they could. And it would, you know, obviously, as much as I hate them, maybe it wouldn't surprise me that much because teams that I hate generally have been doing well lately. So, although I was I was at the game where the Devils put seven on them on my birthday, which was awesome. 
Because Fife and I share the same birthday. Jerk off. <laughs> well, happy happy late birthday to all you guys. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, it's just going to be great. It's going to be great to watch. Again, the biggest question to me, and I don't know how, like, I know Eric gets opinionated, but he was opinionated about how Vegas did it last year. So I'd be interested to see what he thinks about the goaltenders 1A, 1B type thing. Um, I really think that the coaches, I don't know. I mean, you can't. If a guy plays well for a few games, but the team loses, how do you pull that guy? You know, is it just to give your team a momentum boost? Like, you got to look at – the big one is is Marc-Andre Fleury and Talbot. Like, last nine games, Fleury's 8-1-0. and Talbot's 7-0 and 3 over his last 10. Talbot's had the better goals against average. Fleury has more playoff experience. So, it's it's really made it very difficult on the coaches. But that seems to be the trend in the NHL right now is, is you have two starting – and not everybody's doing it. You know, the um, – Nashville's going to rely on Soros. There's still teams that rely on their 1A more than anybody else, but there are a couple teams with a 1A, 1B, and it's starting to kind of work out a little bit. You know, Tampa still has Vasilevsky. They're not going to falter from that. Um, so I'm just interested to see how the goaltending situations play out in some of these teams because Minnesota is a very dynamic team. Um, they have a chance that's another dark horse, like Dave mentioned, that could make a run. Rangers, they got to go with Shesterkin, though, right? Absolutely. Um, I think, was it uh, Gorgiev? I believe they yeah. gave him some extra time uh, prior to the trade deadline to try and get somebody to bite on a trade. Shesterkin's the guy. I mean, he's lights out. I'm actually jealous of the fact that they went from Richter to Lundqvist to Shesterkin. Shesterkin's one of the best goalies in the league, and he's only going to get better as the years go on. That's good to hear, but I mean, it is sad though that you mentioned all those great goalies and then only one championship out of it. So, we're to hope uh, Igor here is able to pull at least one one title in for us. You know what makes me really happy though is that you finally started to lean more towards the Rangers. None of this I like the Rangers and Devils bullshit you used to try. And pull I, I'm wearing a Devils time. hat right now. I'm wearing oh, a devil's hat right God, now. Dude, I'm going to puke. I just think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. I'm literally wearing a really nice devil's hat, actually. It's an old black devil's hat. It's uh, Janice, I got him. Janice got it for me because she was tired of seeing me in a ranger's hat. See, Fife's standing next to me. He's turning beet red with anger right now. Well, yeah, you I'm know. I'm not wearing a ranger shirt with it, though. I'll say that. It's just a devil's, <laughs> devil's hat, but... I am wearing a devil's hat right now. I would love to see you do a bonfire with any devil's gear you have. <laughs> well, listen, if it makes you feel better, Schmelrose, we all know I'm the least inclined in terms of a hockey fan here, but I've always said, and it's true, if I had to pick a hockey team, it would be the Rangers because I was 10 years old in 1990, or excuse me, 13, uh, 11 years old, one of those, 11 years old in 1994. He was so in the remember age, that. in 94. <laughs> 94. That's, that's, 94. That's when he became a Dallas fan, too. I think it was the next year, actually. Oh, my bad. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, whatever year they lost to San Francisco in the conference championship, that was my first year as a Cowboy, as you might imagine. Well, I'll give you that, then. That's, that's okay, yeah. because you took the team that lost. Is that uh, so, 90, is so that I give you a little more credit for that. Maybe that it is, was the huh? That is that ninety four though? Yeah, it was not. It was the ninety three, ninety four season. 
Wait a minute. So it wasn't even the 95 playoffs. It was the 94 playoffs. They lost in, in. Huh? All right. January. Yeah. I NFL season always confuses me. Yeah. Okay. So well, whatever it was. 93 season then, but in 90, January 94. Yeah, then, yeah, that's why it confused So we've pinpointed the Mike's sadness to January of 94. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more sadness to go around there. The 93 NBA playoffs, uh, everything having to do with the New York Mets. Uh, there's more Nick shit you can throw in there and the last 25 years of Dallas Cowboy football. So there's there's a lot to go around. And Dave, yeah. just so you know, man, I will say this: our Devils, they're bottom feeders right now, but it ain't going to be like that for a while. There's a lot of promise there. There's a lot to build on. They need to sure up whatever the hell they're going to do between the pipes. They need to get themselves a 50-game starter, 45-game starter. They got to get somebody between the pipes. PK Subban's going to be gone, which I have been waiting for since the year after he got here. Um, it's just—he's terrible. So, one more big blue liner. I think their blue line's pretty good. You get rid of Subban, who makes a lot of mistakes that cost the team games. Um, I think they add a blue liner. They add something between the pipes. And I would like to personally see him sign either Philip Forsberger or Johnny Gaudreau. But Calgary's going to do everything they can. They're going to move mountains to try and get Gaudreau back. He's a Jersey boy. Um, grew up in South Jersey. So, he's a free agent. You know, I think they had 20, 30 goals to that top six. They move a couple of these guys back down to the bottom six that they've been flaunting around as top six guys that aren't. And this is just a real quick touch on it. I think within the next couple of years, uh, we got some some good hockey on the horizon. And I've just been waiting for this this rivalry to rejuvenate because it's one of the most fun rivalries, in my opinion, Devils Rangers. But that's just to touch on it real quick. I know we're talking playoff hockey, so and they're bottom feeders right now. So to congratulations to the Ranger fans. Um I used to – I was messing with them towards middle of the season, end of the season, telling them they'll be one and done, but probably make it to the second round. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, given where they've been the last few years, I don't necessarily think that's a failure of the season. But uh, I'm going to say this, and then we can move on or continue with this. Uh, I'm looking this up right now. It was the 94 season and the 95 playoffs because the 94 Super Bowl was the Bills and the Cowboys the second time around. So it actually was the 94 season and the 95 playoffs. That was my first season watching Cowboys football. I am sorry to go back to that. I had to look that up, though. That's okay. Yep. All right. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to throw in hockey-wise? Bring on the playoffs. I'm good. Bring on the playoffs. Yes. All right. Well, Schmel Rose, you haven't been on this show in a while, so I will leave it to you. you. You gave us a lot of hockey, and I thank you for that. Do you have anything else you'd like to throw in, though? No, I appreciate you guys letting me blabber about it for a half hour. And um, my wife and I are moving with our son this weekend to a new, bigger apartment. Cool. So, um, Next week, my team is off, but I don't know where we'll be as far as unpacking. But as the playoffs resume, maybe I can uh, grace you with a little more Schmelrose next week. And uh, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And uh, let's yeah. play out. Well, hey, Schmelrose, I got a question. 
because you you talked an awful lot about hockey, but what are your draft opinions? Um, you know, it's been in the back of my mind, really. Uh, I think we talk. Uh, well, I'd have to get fight for that because he does the football. I'm from Saskatoon, and we don't. You know, you guys don't want to talk about the Canadian. You gamble football. on it though. Well, I, 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 I I tell you what, we'll, we'll get Fife on to talk about that. Eric, I think you missed that part earlier because Fife did give his opinions on the draft before we bring Fife in though. You keep talking about this hockey team yarn. You want to talk any about your hockey team? You guys are in the playoffs. How you guys been this year? Uh, Well, so I play on two. I play on a Sunday night team and a Tuesday night team. Last Mm -hmm. season, my Tuesday night team did not do very well. Uh, this season, the it's a redraft league. So basically, everybody's name gets put in a pool and you get drafted. So last season's championship team drafted me to their team this season. Uh, we are 3-0 and going into our fourth game, so it's a fresh season. Cool. 3-0 and going into our fourth game. Um, and then the Sunday night is just a bunch of guys who want to go play a game of hockey and drink beers, and we are winless. But my Tuesday <laughs> night team, so it's like best of both worlds, I guess. You know, my Tuesday uh-huh. night team takes it a little more serious than maybe I do, but I take it a little more serious for them because they, you know, it means something to them. So but my Sunday night team is more about, you know, let's play a game of hockey and then go hang out in the parking lot for a little bit. Sounds good. Just make sure you don't drink the beers before the game. That tends to have an adverse effect. On Sundays, I drink them before, during, and after. Most guys on Sundays, most guys have a water bottle on the bench. I got a couple course lights. There you go. That's, that's my day. That, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, right. Course lights like water. I've never it been a beer the guy. thing to water. <laughs> I I have ne- Yeah, I've never been a beer guy, so I will take your word on that one. But um, all right. So I think with that, Schmel Rose, always a pleasure to have you here, brother. Why don't you bring Eric Pfeiffer back, and we'll talk some football. Yeah, I'll get him quietly because I don't want to wake up his kid or he'll punch me in the mouth. Um, and he punches pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. You know, I'm not going to lie. That's a fight I take. <laughs> you ever see the movie Liar, Liar in the bathroom scene? Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, Fife's back. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, Fife. How are you? I'm, I'm good. How are you? All right. Um, all right. So this is a good way to transition to the NFL draft. Fife, I know you had given us some thoughts about the Giants earlier, but I guess we'll start with with you and Eric here now that you're back. You want to reiterate what you had said earlier uh, about your draft thoughts for the Giants? Yeah. Well, I looked it up because I had mentioned about the Jags, who I think they're going to take, and I think they know they're going to take them, but they're just trying to keep the ratings up for that first overall pick. So they're pretending like there's an argument. Uh, his name is Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Oh, right. Not Chase. Not Chase. Right. Yeah, the gentleman. I didn't get the gentleman's name out of. I didn't get the gentleman's name out of Georgia, but for me, I see. For me, I think the guy who plays on a worse defense with better numbers. Uh, might be a little better than the guy who might have had a little bit more one-on-one blocking out of Georgia because he had played on a much better defense. So that's just where I lie on that. Mm. Okay. Oh, you know where I lie on it? I lie on it where it's a shitty pick at number one this year, and I'm trading out of it. I agree with that 100%. And that's that's where I'm at. If I'm the Jaguars, I don't give a fuck about Hutchinson. I don't want him whatsoever. I want to trade back, see if I can get two first-rounders later, 
see if I can get a first rounder and a first rounder next year, see what I can get elsewise to gain more picks because I, I think this draft isn't a draft of superstars. It's a draft of roster fillers. It's a draft mm-hmm. of depth. It's a draft of these are guys you're going to like probably see on your team and hear about and you know slowly like there's no superstar I don't think really coming out of this draft like it to me I I, I look at it I'm like yeah there's some good players coming out but I, I don't I, I don't know to me if I'm the Jaguars I got the number one pick I don't want it this year hmm. I, I want out I don't know if you guys heard and I don't even remember where I heard this from but apparently the Jaguars have taken no calls nobody has called them Wanting to trade for that number one draft. Not many people want to trade up this year. There's a ton of teams trying to trade back. Mm. It is a bad, it's not the draft to be at the, you know, number one overall. Unfortunately, next year, next year is a whole different story. Next year, you want to be number one in the draft. Next year is the year if you don't have your quarterback, that you're going to get your franchise quarterback. There's two or three guys coming out next year that are going to be guys that are going to be in top five picks, top 10 picks, easy. Mm. Um, and, and the next year's draft is going to be a draft where everybody wants to trade up. This mm. year, it's – I mean, if I'm the Giants, I might be looking to trade out of five if I could. Um, I think everybody out there is sleeping on my boy Will Anderson. and Because, I mean, I'm looking at all sorts of mocks. I don't see him even in the first he's round not, of a he, lot of mocks. He's not, el- he's not eligible to come out yet. He's so not? he's going. He's going back to Alabama this year. He'll be. That's why I was saying in our group chat. That's why I was saying I'd like to see them take him next year. That's why I'd like to see the Giants focus a little more on offense this year. Oh, then um, I want them to take a tackle. On. Neil is who I would want them to take. Right. I mean, I hear they're looking at the other kid, uh, Cross. I believe out of I don't know whether it's Mississippi, Mississippi State. Hang on, State. I got I got it up. I could tell you where is it. Where I is think it's where? Mississippi State. I could be wrong. Charles Cross, Mississippi State. Yes. Yeah, 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 and he, he's supposedly very good too. Um, but I kind of want the guy who protected for the guy who won the Heisman. Like, I got to think that offensive line played a part in that guy winning the Heisman. So, I mean, that's where I would lean. But either way, I think that they got to probably go offensive line here. Even if they're not building for Daniel Jones, you got to build for the next guy coming in. Like, Absolutely. if you're going to draft the Q- QB next year, draft an offensive line this year. Hell, if you can't trade out of five or seven, draft two offensive linemen if you got to. Build the line and do what you got to do so that next year, if you want to do something and try to get that, you know, try to get one of those QBs coming out next year to be your next franchise guy, at least you'll have a, a solid foundation in front of him. And I think that's what they have to focus on. Um that, and I mean, I'm going to screw up in the rooftop, but we our defense, too. I don't think we have enough pass rushers right now. I don't think we have enough good DBs right now. I, I just – I don't look at this as a solid defensive team. I think there's a lot of holes there. There's holes on the offensive line. I definitely don't think we need to draft a wide receiver. I definitely don't think we need to draft a quarterback or running back. I mean, really, I, I, don't, I don't see any spectacular tight end I have to have. Like – Mm, I got to tell you, I'm I'm leaning heavy offensive line with five and seven if I can. So the two best offensive linemen available. My head at my where my head is with it is um, I feel like you can use that that seven to gain a pick next year in the first round. Maybe not this year, 
right? Maybe, maybe you gain one next year. Um, you trade that seven to a team that needs a receiver and you use it as a, cause, because like you said, the draft isn't that strong. So I'd like to see him take Evan Neal. I want, I'm with you. I want the guy who blocked for the Heisman winner, a mobile guy. Um, and, uh, you know, cause you might, by game five, you might have Tyrod Taylor starting for you this year. As far as I'm concerned, this year for the Giants is a write-off. It's a lost season. It's let's get some guys in that we can build into the system, the new system, get them familiarized with it, and then go hard next offseason where there's a better draft. So what I think you could do is use this seven pick to maybe gain a pick next year, maybe maybe drop back, maybe a sec- another second round this year, but get somebody to take Galladay with that seven pick and a boatload of that salary. That's a great way to offload some of that salary cap that he's taken up that he's not worth. But I don't think that owners or GMs, I don't think GMs look at it that way. Like, I feel like you could take this seven pick and you can use it as a bargaining chip to not have to eat so much salary for a guy who doesn't want to be here. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. The question is, what would you get the value from in terms of trading? Because I'm of the mind, who wants that Galladay contract? You know, Tooney. Somebody, yeah. somebody who wants that seventh overall pick. So if there's well, somebody I, who's chomping at the bit for a player at seven, then maybe you can get them. That's all. It's an outside the box kind of thought. Like maybe you can get them to absorb some of that contract because you're still going to have to eat some of it yourselves and let it count against your cap, but. Maybe you can get somebody to absorb it by, by dangling that seventh overall pick in front of them and just get that guy out of here. Well, there's there's two things I want to bring up here because, number one, it kind of goes back to Eric's point. There's no superstars in this tra- draft. So if you're packaging Galladay with that seventh pick, wh- what exactly are you getting back in return that's of value for that? And number two, and Schmeller, uh, excuse me, Fife, I think it was you who brought it up in the group chat. Green Bay may be the only team who would be inclined to do that because I think he's a good fit there after what you said. But at the end of the day, who really wants to do that? Like, what are you trading up to get there? Who do you absolutely have to get at that pick? That's why if somebody calls you for that pick, like you throw that in there. Like maybe nobody calls. But if you're if seven's on the clock and somebody calls and there's somebody that they want in the draft, you never know. Somebody might be chomping at the bit to get somebody before somebody else, division rival, whatever the case might be. So if somebody really, if somebody calls you for that, I think that's something you've got to at least try. And if you don't try it, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's just an outside the box thought. Like I said, that's how I think. I don't believe NFL GMs think that way. Plus you're right. Like it's going to be tough to get somebody to absorb that contract. Like you're going to kind of have to give them a deal with that seventh pick. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you may not want to move Tooney because he's got potential, but I think that's probably the reason why more teams would be inclined to. Well, listen, that's what he showed last year. Other teams may look at that and say, okay, all right, fair enough. But other teams may look at that and be like, well, he's only been in the league one year. He's younger than Galladay. If I'm giving up anything of value to get that with that seventh pick, that's the guy I'd probably take, even though. I think we all agree. He's a slot receiver. That's probably all we he's going to be. We, we couldn't give him away. We couldn't give I don't think you can away. give either of them away. I yeah, I think Galladay, you might be able to get somebody to absorb it. I, I don't think you have any chance of anybody giving a shit about Tony or Tooney or however you pronounce it. 
At he least not is, for the value you drafted him at. Exactly. Not even close. You're not, I mean, if you, like I said, you're going to take a ham sandwich back and it's probably going to be spoiled. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. So here's the scenario, right? So you can only, you have to choose to keep one, right? And you're up against the cap and you can get somebody to absorb some of Galladay's contract or, and keep Tony on a rookie deal or you trade Tony and keep that whole Galladay debacle. Which one are you going with? You had to choose just from those two options. I'm keeping Tony because at least I know I might have a red zone target if Galladay can ever stay healthy. Dave, I'll throw it to you. What do you say? Uh, I mean, look, I would keep Tony as well over uh, Galladay, but more contract related. And like, you know, Fife mentioned, they're, they're up against the cap and, you know, their new GM said, hey, we're going to, we're, our number one thing right now is, you know, making moves with our money and, and worrying about the long term, not short term. And, you know, Tony, I mean, look, when the kid did play and actually just in between the lines during a play, when he touched the ball, he made some special plays. Uh, I mean, the kid could move. He's got very quick change of direction. Um, he wasn't worth the first round pick that they took him at. And I think, you know, we talked about this last year after the draft. I mean, there was no arguments that the Giants shouldn't have taken him with their first round pick. Nobody argued mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, but with that said, the kid has potential to be kind of a shifty, you know, game-changing type of player. But you know, maybe it was the Joe Judge re- regime, and that's why he wasn't as who the hell knows. We you really just don't know. Um, and I'd rather get rid of Galladay so you can get rid of that contract, even if like you know, Fife said you got to eat some of it. You can get rid of even eighty percent of that contract. It really sets them up long term. But either way, I agree. You can't trade those picks. Take these offensive linemen, whether you're protecting Daniel Jones or anybody else, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, the greatest quarterback of all time still needs a good, a decent to good offensive lineman, and and it doesn't matter who who it is. Brady, Montana, Rogers, Breeze. It does not matter if you can't protect the guy. He can't make plays and throw the ball. So. The, the Giants' biggest issue, and we've known it for years now, has been their ability to control the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball. Mm. Only thing I will throw in is this. If you guys are already resigned to the belief that this is going to be a lost season for the Giants, then at the end of the day, it's not about who you would prefer to keep. I think on a level playing field here, it's a no-brainer. Of course, you want to keep the rookie who's on a rookie con or not the not the rookie anymore, second-year player who's still on a rookie contract, who did show signs of life when he did play and isn't tied to that big contract. Obviously, that's the guy you would want to keep. But it's not about playing for this season, it's about playing for the future and getting the most you can get. So yeah, logic says you want to keep Tooney, but it's about what you can get value-wise. And if you can get more for him than you do Galloway. Hey, it's nobody's fault but um, the former general manager who signed him. The Giants are going to do something very, very stupid like they usually do. And they'll probably take either a cross or a kneel with the fifth pick. Then I can see them, and as as I'm going through some of these mock shares, the name that keeps popping up, and I'm like, as I see it, right now it's projected on a lot of boards to go to the Ravens at 14, but I can see this as being a giant move. I could see them drafting the D tackle out of Georgia, Jordan Davis. I, I'm praying he falls to Dallas at 24. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, like, I could see, because, I mean, there's no way Daniel Jones should have got taken sixth. I could see the Giants reaching and go, oh, we're filling a hole on defense, and you're just going to help our defense. We're building from the line. Well, wait a minute. I could see some bullshit way they're going to try and spin it. Is defensive tackle even really a hole for you guys? Don't you guys still have the guy from the Jets and and a decent guy who you drafted a couple of years ago? It's just a giant type move, though. Is all I'm saying. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Is he any good? Like you'd know more yeah, about him than I would. Good. He's good. He's going to be good for somebody, but I, it's just not the pick. Like you said, I think we have enough there already. I don't really think that that's an area of need, but I could just see it being a giant type move. <laughs> well, I mean, by that logic, it does make sense. So I get the point you're making there. All right. Let's shift off the Giants for a second. And um, we we are going to move to the Cowboys for a second here. And I'm curious Dave's thoughts because, listen, whether right, or not you so think... So just to wrap oh. up real quick, though, does anybody okay. think the Jaguars are going to actually trade out of first? Nobody wants to trade. Tra- can they get somebody to trade up? Yes or no? Round no. One. No. Dave. No. Eric, uh, Fife. No. I- I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say if somebody wants to reach, somebody may do it on draft day. I think it's a possibility. What would they give up for that first-round pick, though? Because I can't uh, even – I can't lower even- this year and a first-rounder next year? Why would you do that, though, if next year's first round is supposed to be the stacked first round? To get an extra pick in next year's first round. Then now no. you're going to have two picks in next no. year's first round. Draft. Yeah, no, but I'm saying if you're the team trading, why would you give up a pick in next year's draft? I don't know. Maybe you think you got to reach this year. Maybe you're set a quarterback and you don't need to reach for one of those quarterbacks next year. You may yeah, want to I mean, reach and go for one of those, you know, whether it be Walker or whether it be Hutchinson or whether it be one of those people you think may be the cornerstone to your defense that may be the piece that you're missing. Um, could be somebody who wants to trade up and get the best offensive tackle out there. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. But I'm just throwing out another scenario. So yeah, you I think, think it would it's have good. to be a, like a bottom six draft team, like a top so, six placer, but a bottom six draft team uh, would be the only way that happens. And then if the Jaguars are inclined to take – two picks from a team that good and make them better. So is anybody going to disagree with me if I say I feel like you guys described the Houston Texans? I mean, they're stupid enough. That's what I'm saying. I feel like you guys just described it. The Eagles also have uh, three picks, I believe, in the first round. So, I mean, they may not they – may, they may be willing to trade one of those to move up. Mm-hmm. And they could they could always put the eggs in one basket and give you two picks this year without sacrificing anything next year. I think that that's seems good. more logical. But again, that's why I say the Texans would be the one to do that because they ain't exactly logical. So, all right. So we'll go to the Cowboys real quick here. Say what you want about the Giants. Cowboys got considerably worse this offseason with the um, – with the whole Amari Cooper thing and Lel Collins and Connor Williams and Randy Gregory and all gone. And they got your, they got Eric's proverbial ham sandwich. That is always, that is already spoiled. That's what they got for him. So Dave, 
You look at their first round pick. What what's the best case scenario for you? I think you kind of already said it earlier, but go ahead. I mean, look, I, I think if they're able to get the D tackle out of Georgia at the twenty four, I think that's a pretty decent value pick. Um, but I really think they're going to be looking at offensive lineman or wide receiver. Um, I mean, but I think the best wide receiver, I, I feel like there's a lot of depth at wide receiver in this draft. So I don't know if they're going to swing early for a wide receiver. Um, I think there's a center coming out of Iowa or Wisconsin, Lindenbaum or Linderbaum or something like that. Heard a lot of people talking about, but I mean, when it's all said and done, like, I think I'd probably prefer them to lean offensive line because uh, that was, you know, they couldn't make any holes for the run game. Prescott was getting beat up as the season wore on. So, yeah, I think I would lean more offensive line if, if I had my dream scenario. But it's not like I can sit here and say I watch tape and know about all these players and, oh, this is the guy that they should go with. But I would probably lean off at the line. But tackle out of George is there. I think he'd be a nice pick. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that sentiment. Offensive line would be a nice time for them to kind of restock their offensive line, which they haven't really done in a while. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa was the guy you were referring to. I'm looking at uh, – Take this for what it's worth. I'm looking at ESPN's overall draft rankings in terms of best available, and I see Linderbaum at 29, Zion Johnson, offensive guard from Boston College, also there at 28. Uh, I believe Davis, the defensive tackle, was ranked uh, 14th overall. So there's that. Uh, I, I would like to see offensive linemen. What you said about wide receiver, being really deep in this year's class. I mean, I feel like we've been hearing that for the last six months. So it would be kind of strange to see them going wide receiver. I will say this to kind of throw back to Eric here. I do see an Alabama boy here ranked the 13th overall by the name of Jamison Williams. Yeah, what he's do you a think? speedster. Speedster. Is he yeah, a guy good. who should be a first round pick though? Yeah. Um. Yeah, if he goes to the right club, I mean, again, he goes to a team with a good QB. I think he'll excel. He goes to a crappy team. I think he's gonna, you know, feel the effects. I, I would like to see him end up in a place actually like Baltimore. Give actually hmm. Lamar some more weapon. They give him another weapon to play with. Give him somebody who can, you know. You know, he can rely on, give him, give him a good wide receiver. I mean, I think that's a good spot, but I know that's not necessarily something that they usually do. So, um, I, I think it's I, – I think he's going to be good. But, you know, do I think he's going to be as good as a Julio Jones or as good as an Amari Cooper? Maybe not. Do I think he could come in and maybe do what Jalen Waddle did? I don't know. I think he'd have to come into the right situation. Waddle came in and he was instantly to his favorite target, you know? So, I mean, he could come in with potential, but it's going to be where he comes into and how much they utilize him. I mean, if he goes to a team like the Eagles, he goes to a team like 
I said the Ravens or, or one of those teams, I think he could be used effectively. I think if he goes to a team like I've seen on some mock drafts with him going to like Minnesota, like if, if that happens, then I don't think it pairs well for him because they already got Thielen and they already got Je- uh, Jefferson there. So I don't think he's as successful as he could be in other places. So it really depends on who drafts him. So I think there's some teams out there that have potential. I think if he went to the Jets, uh, if Zach Wilson's able to take a step forward this year, maybe that's an option for them because then you have a young quarterback and a young receiver that you don't have to necessarily pay big money to right away for the next few years. Uh, something like that could work. But, yeah, no, I think he's going to be good. I just don't know. Like I said, I don't expect him to be – Julio Jones or Amari Cooper good, uh, you know, so we'll see. Hmm. All right. With that, taking a look at the time here. Do you mean Calvin Ridley, yes? Well, keep him away from DraftKings and FanDuel then, just to be honest. Um, But uh, with that, does anybody have anything else draft notes they would like to throw in here? The only thing I'll say is uh, one wide receiver nobody talked about is my boy Jahan Dotson uh, out of Penn State. He's legit downfield threat. Um, a lot of talks are that he's going to go 20 to pit. I don't like that because I don't see Mitchell Trubisky as a downfield thrower. Um, he's going to be more get out of the pocket and get the ball out of his hand type of guy. Even if he has improved in that Buffalo system growing under Josh Allen, he's just not going to be a big downfield thrower in my opinion. Um, so I'd like to see Dotson go somewhere that's not the NFC East because it's obvious he's not going to go to the Giants. Um, plus, they don't need to draft wide receiver right now. I agree with that 110%. That's just a pipe dream for me, but I swear to God, if he falls to 24 and they get Micah Parsons and Jahan Dotson back-to-back, um, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. So if you guys <laughs> do, like, don't be disappointed if that happens and Dallas gets – Dotson to replace that downfield threat of Amari Cooper. I thought that was a mistake by them. I know they need to offload some money with him, but I thought him and Dak had a pretty good rapport. Um, but if you guys get Dotson, man, that kid's a downfield threat. I was not sold on Penn State's quarterback, but Dotson just performed week in and week out. He's just always open. He's fast. He gets his ass downfield and he catches the football. Mm. Well, listen, I think – Having weapons is great, but if you got nobody protect to, uh, the quarterback to get the ball to those weapons, it's kind of a, a moot point there. So I'm I'm going back to what me and Dave were saying. We should go offensive line, and yeah, that's I don't want to talk about that Cooper thing anymore. Dave, you got anything else you want to throw in? No, that Cooper thing's still fucking depressing, Mike. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah, it is. Eric, anything else? No, I'm good. All right. I think with that, we will move on. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this if, if you guys don't want to here, but we would be remiss if we did not talk about the NBA playoffs here. Obviously, the series are all continuing. There is only one first-round series that is over, and the Brooklyn Nets have been eliminated in four straight years. Not just that, but the top two teams going into this season – with the best odds to win the championship, if you were betting on one of the betting sites, the top two teams, the Lakers and the Nets, both out. Yeah. Both yeah. out. And, I mean, let's just be honest here. This Nets team is absolutely pathetic. 
you don't even have to be a big basketball fan or anything else to know that this team is just pathetic. With the amount of superstars they have, with them dictating the way they dictate it, not wanting to practice or play or this or that, they completely shit the bed. If there's one thing you got to show up for, it's got to be the playoffs, and you got to turn it on, and that's when it happens. And to see Kyrie minutes after the game smiling and hugging people, like, dude, did you give a shit whatsoever? Or no, you're just here so you don't get – you're just here to collect a paycheck. That's all he's there to do. He's just there to get paid big money. Hey, listen, I'm good with this thing in my hand. Like, pay me. Okay, good. You paid me. Now I don't want to play anymore. Continue to pay me. Like, that's that's really what it is with Kyrie. I, I, I've I lost all respect for that guy. I mean, and this whole team, I, KD too, he's not holding anybody on this team accountable or responsible. They all played like shit. But there's two guys who are supposed to be the huge superstars, and then you bring in a guy like Ben Simmons, and I got to be honest, I was high on Ben Simmons coming out of college. I've been trying to give this kid the benefit of the doubt, and we talk about mental health and this and that. This kid's just full of shit. This kid just sucks. This kid just needs to just go away already. I am tired of Ben Simmons. I am over it. I, I mean, you know, oh, is he going to come back to play? Oh, is he not going to come back to play? Oh, they're about to get eliminated. No, I don't feel like playing anymore. Like, it's it's such fucking horseshit that it's it's infuriating. It really mm. is. As, as just a sports fan, a team like that, to watch them just not give a shit is infuriating. I think Kyrie got a lot of rope because of how dumb the New York City vaccination policy in terms of him playing was. And for all the goodwill he garnered off of that, he blew it on Saturday night, I think it was, after they went down 3-0, and he opened his mouth and said, well, you know, the Celtics have been gelling since December. We haven't been able to do that. And everybody just kind of looked at him and been like, and why was that? Why were you guys not able to gel like the Celtics were, Kyrie? Why was that? In that moment, all the goodwill kind of went away. And unfortunately, the Nets had their opportunities to win this series. Maybe a better coach would have helped them out in terms of strategy on that one. Maybe ha- having a roster that was able to get cohesive over the course of the season would have been able to do that. Maybe Ben Simmons deciding he wanted to play would have been able to do that. But none of that happened. And here we are. Dave, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, what what happened with the Nets this year is... um, I I don't know how else it happened to me beyond a miracle. I think it's a miracle. I personally just... I mean, we've talked about super teams nonstop. Um, so I am not overly upset for, or I, I don't feel bad for them or anything along those lines. That is for sure. Um, I think if you're a Nets fan, the scarier thing is the fact that one of the post-game press conferences, I think it was Kyrie talking about how him and Kevin, you know, aren't going anywhere and that him, the two of them and the GM and the owner need to all work together to help make build this team into a championship team and hearing that my first thought was I'm sorry isn't your job to play the game of basketball not make the team 
So I thought that was kind of interesting to hear. Uh, I think it kind of lets you know the type of leeway that him and Durant have in Brooklyn uh, and what they can say and what they can get away with and, and the amount of it, uh, investment outside of money uh, the Nets have made into those two. Um, so, so I think really interesting. But, yeah, the sweep was, was embarrassing. Um, you know, but other than that, I mean – Really outside Whose of the- season was more pathetic then? Let me pose it to you that way. Whose season was more pathetic? Is Le- LeBron James not even making the playoffs when now 10 teams in each conference make the playoffs? This guy couldn't even make the playoffs. Not only could he not make the playoffs, he goes on Twitter and says, man, I'm never going to miss the playoffs again. I vow my career never miss the playoffs again. And then he shows pictures of himself partying in some island somewhere. Listen, dude, you know, if you're going to be partying in some island posting pictures, it's all well and good. You don't tell me how much you care about the playoffs and how much you miss being in the playoffs. Because obviously you're not missing it too much. You're having a good time. You're enjoying yourself quite well without the playoffs. So give me the happy horseshit if you need the playoffs in your life. And then I look at it and I'm looking at this Kyrie KD thing. And I mean, odds on favorites to win the championship. Talked all sorts of shit. You know, you, they're, they're dictating everything going on there with the Nets to fall flat on their faces. I mean, these are two pathetic teams in my opinion and I want to know in your eyes which season who's the biggest loser oh wow this is about choosing between your favorite piece of shit after it just came out of your ass um they're both they're both pathetic in my eyes I think the Lakers truthfully because if you look at it yeah they brought in the NBA version of the expendables but the idea that Anthony Davis has played with LeBron this long and still has yet to establish himself as that superstar, that future Hall of Famer that everybody thought he was when he was in New Orleans. Dave, I don't know about you. I, I got to go with the Lakers. And New Orleans is about to dump the Suns. New Orleans is about <laughs> to take it to the Suns without Zion Williamson. Without any of that nonsense, just by trading for C.J. McCollum, all of a sudden that and that Laker trade, and Brandon Ingram has become a superstar now. All of a sudden, he's somewhere, and with Devin Booker going down and getting hurt, the Pelicans can actually win this series. And then we got a whole new conversation for the biggest loser, is because then you might have to add the Suns to the conversation. Well, we'll see what happens after tonight. You got game five going on in Phoenix, so... The fact that it's 2-2, though, that is impressive. Dave, yeah, what do you say? Devin Booker injury is huge. I mean, he is – I mean, to me, it'd be like the, the Kobe-led Lakers that won championships losing Kobe. Like, that team gets knocked out by any team they played without Kobe. Like, that. that's huge. Yeah, it's crazy. To answer Eric's question, though, more pathetic team. Oh, I would go with the Lakers. Um, and the only reason why I really choose them over the Nets is that, you know, like you pointed out, for the first half of the season, Kyrie was only playing road games. He wasn't allowed in the locker room. He wasn't allowed at the practice facility. He wasn't allowed to do anything. Then you have the drama issues with Harden. And then they're stupid enough to trade Harden to get Ben Simmons, which, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, 
Harden was at least a body on the court. Simmons isn't even bringing that to the table. Um, and then you, but then you look at the Lakers, and yeah, they had some injury issues, but for the most part, they had a guy that you know twice in the last five years has averaged a triple double for the season. All of a sudden, turn into a guy that can't make a jump shot. LeBron load management blows my fucking mind all the time load management like you've got to be kidding me and then you know you got davis missing you know large chunks of time like but for the most part the core of that team was was healthy most of the year um and and with that being the fact i think their season's more disappointing because i look at that team i don't think uh I don't think they were a bad team. I, did I think they could win a championship? Eh, not really. But did I think they could be competitive and push for a championship? Hell yeah, I thought they could do that. So I, I just think that is definitely one of those things where when you compare the two, they, there's enough you can look at Brooklyn and be like, all right, I guess we can justify you not making it. But when you look at the Lakers, not only did they not make the championship, they didn't even make the playoffs. Like, the playoffs. Like, they didn't even make it. Like, the last three games of the year, LeBron didn't play because he basically he was like, yeah, we have to win out and have other teams lose for us to make it. Like, I don't care what he says. There's no doubt that was his thinking. So, I think their whole shit was definitely more more of a disappointment than than what happened with Brooklyn. Even though what happened with Brooklyn was disappointing, I just I think when you look at the two, I, I think uh the Lakers season was more of a disappointment than Brooklyn's. Yeah. I mean listen, when you got 20 teams making at the very least the playing game and you can't do that and you're sitting out those final games yeah, that kind of trumps what went on with the Nets. Even though, again, you, you're sorting between. You okay there, Mike? We lost Mike. Okay. Like, hey, I got to. Um, Larry, I mean, or is it Fife? I don't know who the fuck is. It could be either one of us right now because I got a monster question about load management. <laughs> All right, but right but really, I know you're not a big basketball person, but do you have any uh, any answer on this one? Well, my, my question to you as a hockey fan is um, if you play basketball and you need to manage your load, and I mean, I don't care if you're LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, whoever you are, isn't it time to retire? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> Michael, give it up. Michael, Hang Michael up. Jordan. Michael Jordan at 40 years old on the Washington Wizards. I don't was was that their team name back then? I think it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Washington Wizards at 40 years old played all 82 games. Yeah. So like at that point, like yeah, I understand you're LeBron James, but like isn't it time to just pass the torch? And and I mean, if you can't, if you're healthy, but your body can't handle an 82-game season. Like, that's where most players call it quits, isn't it? Baseball, if they can't play the full season. Hockey, if a guy can't play 82, 
not factoring in injuries. Just it's a money it's a money grab guy. at this point. It's a money grab for a guy like him at this point because he knows he's going to make max money wherever he goes, and he's already come out and said he wants to play long enough to be able to play one year in the NBA with his son. He has come out publicly and said that. So I believe that no matter what, it's a cash grab until Bronny Jr. shows up and then he gets his one year with Bronny Jr. and he'll call quits. So, um, so I get that. That's, but like, that's, what do you think he should do right now? Do you think well, he should keep going, or do you think he should? No, I think he should. I think he should hang it up. I, in my opinion, he's not the best in the world right now. He's not where he used to be, and he's not helping a team get to even the playoffs. But if, if but you Harry, can't get to the playoffs, I'm sorry. It's time to get. It's time. It's time to seriously think about hanging up. I honestly think if Brady didn't make the playoffs, he would have hang. He would have hung it up for good. I don't think he's coming I agree back. With he's that. not in the playoffs. Yeah, but I agree Eric, with that. I gotta say this: LeBron James played, I think, sixty-three games this year. My man still averaged thirty points a game with six or seven assists and eight rebounds. Like a hundred percent healthy, one game and only one game to play. He's probably still the best player in the world. No. Let me throw this in. Let let me throw this in real quick because this whole load management thing, and me saying this, this is more for Fife because I know you you're not really a basketball fan, and that's cool and everything. But we all know that this whole load management shit goes back to Shaquille O'Neal showing up at the beginning of the season overweight and trying to get himself into game shape during the course of the season. So he would miss games, and there would be times when the Lakers would have. Playoffs locked up, he'd miss the entire last week of the season to get himself ready for the playoffs. And then it expanded to the point where Popovich started doing that with Duncan, Manu, and Tony Parker when they were all getting older so he would be ready for the, so they'd be ready for the playoffs. The problem is now it's expanded to the point where you got LeBron doing stuff like that. You have guys who have been in the league four or five years in their mid-twenties doing the load management shit. It's not, it's not even, though, just basketball. You, yeah, I mean, no, it's all over the place, yeah. Basketball, but baseball, you have no idea how infuriating it is that guys in baseball now, like I'm listening to Aaron Boone talk, and you know, they're like, well, why do you take this guy out of the lineup? Or why do you take that? Or why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? And he's like, oh, well, you know, you can't expect these guys on a shortened spring training to be able to come in and play 10 days in a row. And it's like, why the fuck not? That's what they do in baseball. You know, there's 162 games. They should be playing 162 games if they're healthy. If not, you know, within a game or two, you know, everybody might need a day or two if you get sick, whatever else. I get it. But I mean, come on. Like, did they, I, Do you really need load management the second the season starts? How tired did, can you fucking be? You're coming off an off season. I, to go to your point, Eric, We, I think we both know. Nowadays, day games after night games are automatic excuses for the starters not to be in the lineup anymore. It's an automatic excuse. And I think yeah. you agree with me that it's bullshit. No, I agree. The only one it's not bullshit for is catcher. For every other position, I don't give a fuck how late that game went last night. Get your ass back in the lineup. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Catcher's the only one that they gave That's the only the one. Game, maybe because he's crouching tiger, hidden, you know, yeah, yeah. catcher for, you know, two games. At the, you know, in a 24-hour span, that's a lot of, 
It's mm-hmm. a lot. So I mean, I I could see that, yeah. But everybody else, I mean, man, the fuck up. Did you yeah. imagine? Did you imagine at our age spending six hours sitting like a catcher oh. in twenty in a less than a twenty four hour time period? Like no. I wouldn't be able to stand. Like I just like guys would steal bases on me all day, <laughs> day game, like all day. No way I'd be able to stand up. Like that just sat like sitting like that for uh, thirty seconds and my knees start popping. Guy, I play <laughs> hockey for an hour and a half and I and I can't walk for half the next day. Mm. Cat, <laughs> in my opinion, the pounding the catchers take, leaving football out of it. That's probably the closest to hockey out of either baseball or basketball, the pounding that catchers take behind the plate. Not saying it is. I'm saying it's the closest thing to it. Well, and you got to remember, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with a bunch of old dudes. Like, we're all old. but mm-hmm. like, So it's not like we're playing a high-intense game. There's no contact. It's just the skating factor. And, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine being crouched like that, like a catcher. Because <laughs> I'd be, I'd be yeah. bedridden for a week after one game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guys, we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Not even getting up for water. Just hook me up to an IV. Yeah. You know what's sad, though, is the guys on load management are younger than us. Yeah, they all are. The guys that need load management are younger than us. Yeah. All I know... I Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I got to run. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and I'm, I'm happy you guys talked a little hockey with me. And uh, hopefully we can get together throughout the playoffs. Love you, boys. Talk to you later. Have a Love good one, Fife. Come back. Later. Come back next week, brother. Hey, right, man. All right, so that was Eric Pfeiffer here. All I was going to – oh. I kind of forgot. Well, no, okay, here was the point. All I know is if I work seven days in a row, I can't go to my boss and be like, hey, I need load management. I need load management. We have to shut this store down tomorrow. I can't work can't do that <laughs> you know it's never gonna fly in our industry but you do it in there so i go oh, okay whatever you want there superstar yeah. yeah yeah we're all iron men compared to them and that's why cal ripkin jr's streak of consecutive games played in major league baseball never is going to be touched no, it's the safest yeah safest record in all of sports Yes, I would is. say I would say Emmett's rushing yard title is pretty safe too. I agree with you on that, but in terms of an Iron Man streak, yeah, okay. I, they, 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 I, I think Cal Ripken's got a slight edge. Yeah, I won't argue with that on the Iron Man side of things. Yeah, I, I don't think you're off. I, you're not that off though. All right, does do either of you guys got anything else basketball wise you want to throw in? My bowls are going to be done. That sucks. Sorry, I am sorry for your loss. I mean, all um, seventeen, so I can't be overly pissed. But and Zach Levine safety protocol, so he probably won't even play. Uh, but it is what it is. Other than that, the NBA, uh, the series are all in really good situations. Uh, they're all pretty damn entertaining right now. Nah, Golden State's gonna lock it up too. I think they they gave one back there, but uh, the Nuggets. But I think they're gonna lock it up next game. Yeah, I find it hard to argue with. That's for damn sure. Yeah. 
To me, um, I think they're on a collision course with Boston. I look at they, especially if Booker's down and out. Um, I look at it as Golden State and what the Celtics are able to do and what they've done defensively, um, especially here in the playoffs. Tatum's finding another gear. And uh, I think they're building confidence. So I, I really think that a lot of teams in the East should be watching out for the Celtics right now. Um because it could be them in Golden State on the collision course if the second round goes anything like the first. Mm. Can I just – I, I want to throw something in here real quick because I just remembered this. Um, and it's not necessarily about the series. These protests that are happening in Minnesota because of Glenn Taylor and what he did with the chickens, these are the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my entire life. The like, they're in inter- fuck with the who's – what what chickens are you fucking talking about? What, what you know? You, wait a minute. You know about the protests that have been happening in the Minnesota games, right? I don't know anything about any chickens. Oh uh, no, Dave, that's Dave, no, no, no. I'm sure Dave knows what I'm talking about. Dave, you know what I'm talking about, right? I hate to say it, Mike, but no, I did not hear anything. About <laughs> okay, all right. No, let me explain this. Let me explain this. So Glenn Tar- Taylor apparently runs a poultry farm or something like that. He with a bunch of chickens and stuff. A bunch of his chickens got uh, salmonella or bird flu, so he had to euthanize 5.1 million chickens. So all these animal rights groups are up his ass about it. The woman gluing herself to the court, the woman chaining herself to the stanchion, the one who tried to run on the court on Saturday night, they are all protesting Glenn Taylor and what he did towards these chickens it might sound stupid look it up that's what this shit is about i had no idea what it was the point of this these protesters are fucking ridiculous and this is the dumbest way to stage a protest i've ever seen in my entire fucking life and the fact that they are claiming victory over the shit that has gone on during those minnesota games when minnesota wound up winning every game that there was a protest that Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I saw, the, I saw the woman get tackled. I thought that was hysterical. Uh, yeah, no, it was entertaining. It was very entertaining. They knew the, who I, she was and they were watching out for her. Oh, they, uh, you've all seen the video of the security guard eyeballing her and ready to pounce every step of the way. Oh, it was awesome. Great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. But, yeah, if you guys didn't know, that's what these protests are about. That's what they're about. And this is how they chose. Wait, wait, wait. So, 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 I I mean, I'm going to be, I I know I'm sounding stupid here. That's fine. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding the scope of this here. So there's a guy, he's a farmer. He's got some chickens. Well, Glenn Taylor is the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, if you don't know that. Okay. Yeah. But outside of owning the Timberwolves, he owns a lot of chickens. Yeah, I'm probably putting it more in base terms than what it actually is. But, yeah, go with okay. that. That's fine. So he owns he owns lots of chickens. Said chickens got sick. Yes. So he had to put down all of the chickens. To keep it from spreading to the rest of them. Yes. So he puts down a large majority of his chickens. Yes. Can't sell them, loses the money on them because now they're not food for us or producing eggs or doing anything that chickens normally do. They're not dead from the sickness and that they don't want to spread any further. Yes. 
Enter PETA, who is up It's now. not PETA. It's not PETA. It's another group, but it's not PETA. Insert PETA-like group. There you go. Who doesn't like the fact that he euthanized the chickens, but it was a necessary end because otherwise millions of other chickens would have died and got sick. So, like... They're angry they can put down these chickens, so I get that. Okay, so they're angry. Okay, they get they get their, their feathers all in a fluff over it. What are they, pro- like, uh, I guess where I'm losing it a little bit, or I'm trying to understand is, what are they actually protesting? Said chickens are already gone. You can't bring them back. Animal cruelty. But is it really animal cruelty? <sighs> Well, listen, here's the only thing, because I, mean, I don't do anything this guy does with chickens, animal cruelty, because either he's selling them or for, for meat or he's, you know, getting eggs from him. He's doing something with him. He's, he, these chickens make money for him. Like these chickens yeah. are not chickens to just live and live good chicken lives. They're there for a purpose. So here's the here's the thing. You're not wrong. The problem is it's five point something million chickens. This isn't a hundred thousand. If it would have gotten five point million Americans sick, or if it would have gotten five point million other chickens sick, where they all would have died, then I don't really see like what, what this like, issue is. Mm. Or, like this protesting is over. Like, <laughs> what are they like? Are they? I, I I feel like we're in a society now that everybody feels the need to either cancel or protest every single thing that goes on. Well, can I just tell you the name of the group claiming responsibility for this should tell you everything. The name of the group is called Direct Action Everywhere. So you just want to be a pain in the ass in everybody's life. Apparently. Apparently. That is a pretty broad scope. Direct Action Everywhere. And why do Eric, people pay these, the attention to these groups? They bring the like attention why? to themselves, and they think that this is good attention. This is not good attention. These people look crazy. What are they bringing attention to? The dead chickens? We know they're dead. Like we, we heard the story. I don't know. Like what? Are, what are we bringing awareness to? I feel like people have lost like all sense of reality. Like I really do. Like. What, what is it exactly that we're bringing like, to light here? What, what kind of cruelty like, is there? Or is this just, you know, you're a vegan activist group? I don't really understand. I, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I'm happy the lady got tackled. It's not I, just- didn't know, I didn't know much about any of these other protests. I'll be honest with you. Go ahead, Dave. I was just saying, Eric, it's not well, that's also why the initial point I was making is this is just stupid. The fact that this shit has happened during the playoffs to, to, to gain attention for this shit. And it's like it, it hasn't like they claim a victory because people are talking about them. But at the end of the day, Minnesota wins the games. They've won every game they've had a protest at. But I don't think it's about Minnesota winning or losing. I think it's about these people getting their 15 minutes of fame. I'm chicken fuckers getting their 15 minutes of fame. There it is. Mm, There it is. And I don't disagree with you on that. I want that known. I do kind of agree with you. Because this doesn't look like 
I don't know what the hell it looks like, truthfully. It just looks dumb and stupid, and every one of these women getting involved in this looks like a moron. So, all right, we can move off this. I just wanted to bring that up because I know we all saw that Saturday night. Somebody had to say it. And I went down a little rabbit hole to figure out because, like, the woman runs, runs on the court, and they said protesters. And I'm just like, wait, protesters? What are they protesting? So I went down a little rabbit hole to figure out what the hell it was because I know we all saw the woman getting chained to the chaining herself to the stanchion. I didn't even know about the lady trying to glue herself to the court, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. So, anyway, does anybody have anything People else? Are stupid, and they just want their fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah. In the immortal words, in the immortal words of George Carlin, some people are really fucking stupid. So we'll move on. All right. We're going to do this quick because obviously it's getting late right now, but uh, we have to talk a little baseball here. And Eric, I'm not starting with you tonight. I apologize. But um, why? Because my team's actually doing better than they were last week. Well, no. Good for you. I'm I'm glad you guys are doing better. Five but, uh, since we talked last week. Congratulations. No, we're starting with the Mets because I'm really trying to control myself. I'm really trying to control myself and do the we're doing all right thing. But after the win the Mets just had last night, that's the shit that special seasons can be built off of. And I'm really trying to maintain my calm and keep myself down. But those are the type of games that we would lose nine times out of ten over the last five years. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Max Scherzer goes seven scoreless innings, has ten strikeouts against the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that's been a constant thorn in our side. Eighth inning comes. It's a scoreless game. Trevor May comes in and promptly gives up two runs. And the Mets go into the top of the ninth inning. Down to two outs and their final strike. And they go on a rally that is, you know, Nolan Arenado throws the ball away, going third to first. Mets get a run in. Dom Smith, weak dribbler, or not weak dribbler, but a dribbler to first base, pulls Goldschmidt into foul territory. The pitcher doesn't cover first base fast enough. Dom legs it out, beats the throw. Two-run score. Mets are now up 3-2, to two, and then Brandon Nimmo caps it off with a two-run home run. Mets win the ballgame 5-2. to two. With two outs down to their final strike. And I've been telling you guys for two years, one of the problems the Mets have is hitting with runners on base, and they don't do shit with two outs. And they did it after the bullpen blew a game. I am really trying to keep myself calm. Dave, you know it's God damn it. God damn it. That is the shit that special seasons get built off of. Go ahead, Eric. I feel like you're hyping yourself up, Mike, which is good to hear because I want you to be happy and I want you to be excited about your team. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say this quietly. and like, put your fingers in your ears. But Dave, how funny is it going to be when this Mets team collapses in September? All right, so all right. Here's, here's what I've de- no. Here's what I've decided. I'm not getting myself overworked yet because obviously that is a possibility. And if we're gonna go stereotype shit off of previous seasons, it, it's it's a good possibility. But here's the deal. 
All right, here's what I've pinpointed because I looked at this this morning. You guys know this is what I do. So where the fuck is it? All right. Bear with me a second here. Between now and June 2nd, there are 35 games to play. Mets are currently 13 and 5. Add 35 to 18, you get 53. If the Mets have between 35 and 40 wins on June 2nd, what is June 2nd, you might ask? June 2nd starts a 10-day road trip to the West Coast. West Coast road trips make or break seasons, especially when it comes to the Mets. There's no two ways about it. It either is the signification of the start of something special or it's the signification, and I don't even know if that's a real word, but we're going with that, of the end of the road, and you might as well just take your heart, put it on the ground, and take a big old shit over it because that season's over. Starting June 2nd, the Mets go on a 10-day West Coast road trip that goes through Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers, goes into San Diego to take on the Padres, then goes back to Los Angeles to take on the Angels, and you know good and hell well we're going to have to face Noah Syndergaard at some point on that. If the Mets start that with 35 to 40 wins and then end it with no less than seven wins on that road trip, meaning they would come out of that with between 40 to 45 wins, 63 games into the season, get ready for the runaway train to run out of the station. And I should have I should have pulled this up. I should have had this prepared. I didn't have this prepared. So I apologize for that. And I am stalling right now because I'm trying to get this as quickly as I can. Because if they come out of those 63 games with between 40 to 45 wins, I want you all to know that... You can expect to be hearing this a whole... Oh, of course. Of course. Nothing ever wants to go for me. Now I got ads. Now I got to deal with ads. I should have prepared for this better. I apologize, guys. Did I get cut off? I feel like I got cut off. Maybe I got cut off. I don't know. I'm stalling. Get ready to hear this quite a bit if after June 13th, the Mets have about 40 to 45 wins and they win more than seven games on that West Coast road trip. Because the runaway train will officially be off the fucking tracks, heading into the station, and hopefully it ends better than 2006 did. And that's what I got to say. Go ahead, Eric. Take a dump on it. I don't want to dump on your hopes and dreams, Mike. I want you to be happy. So we're going to see where this Mets team ends up. They have a good squad. They're playing good baseball right now. I don't think they're going to finish at your mark there of that 53-game mark at 40 and 13. But I could see them at closer to 33 and 20. Well, again, you're saying that 53 is before the road trip. So based on what you said, even if it's 33 and 20, I'll take it. And we'll yeah. still go with what I said. You should take it. You should run yes. with it. But that West Coast road trip, to me, that is going to be the signifier of what type of season this is going to be if we get there at that type of mark that you just said. That West Coast road trip, mark it down right now. I am going to try to fucking 
keep myself calm and say we're doing all right and continue. <laughs> I'm joking. <clears throat> and continue to say that. But once we get there, if it's a good West Coast road trip, seven or more wins, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to contain it any longer. Go ahead, Dave. I'm just sitting here smiling. Like You sound like a happy man. That's all I want to hear. I'll tell you this. I, I want to say this, too. The Mets need to cut ties with Robinson Cano before Monday, I think it is, because Monday is when the rosters go down to 26. They started at 28 for the start of the season because, obviously, the lockout and everything like that, they wanted teams to have a little extra. When we go down to 26 uh, players on the roster – Cano has to be the guy dropped because the new players that the Mets brought in have done very well, including a guy you guys probably never heard of by the name of Travis Jankowski. He's a bench player, but Jesus Christ, he needs to stay on the fucking team because he's been really good. He scored one of the runs last night and he started a few games when Mark Hanna and Brandon Nimmo went down with the virus. I'll take him over deadbeat Cano any day of the week. He didn't listen to my advice. He hasn't been taking steroids. He's done shit. He's been terrible. I can't believe he didn't listen to you. Yeah, I know. Go figure. I'm always right. No, I'm not. But anyway, go, go ahead, Eric. Nothing? Nothing? No, I'm just okay. happy for you. I mean, as far as my... Yeah, I didn't know yeah go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. We can go to your Yankees. It's fine. Playing good baseball right now. They got to keep it up, but they're uh, they're playing well. Um, they're one of the best pitching teams in baseball. Their their uh, bullpen has been, I think, number one in baseball. So I just hope they don't get overworked because we seem to be pulling our starters pretty early. So I worry about that. Um, other than that, I mean, they just need to keep up playing good baseball. I just worry a lot with the changing of the lineup constantly. But, um, you know, just have to trust that they know what they're doing at this point. I don't really think they do, I mean, uh, <laughs> but I got to trust it and have faith in the process. And for now, it seems to be working. Ten and six, second in the division, um, half game behind uh, Toronto going into today. Um, so yeah, we'll see where everybody ends up after that. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm feeling better about the team at this point than I did at this point last week. So we'll see if that mm. trend continues next week. Let me ask you something because. Um... And truthfully, I, I'm not trying to take a dump on anything you're saying. I'm only bringing this up because I noticed about an hour ago that this broke on ESPN. Uh, apparently, that letter that the Yankees didn't want to get out got released it was a big early. Nothing. Yeah, but it, it was, was a big nothing. nothing. I was reading the article. It was a big nothing. Literally a big nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, I have nothing really to say about that because we didn't cheat and there was no evidence of it. So... I got, I got, I mean, I got, you know, I'm glad the evidence came out, you know, and people could see it and we can move past it. But what I want to know is why did they fight this for four years if this was all it was going to be? Because the Yankees went tooth and nail in court to keep this from being released. And this is all it is? Listen, regardless, whatever it is, they didn't want it out there and, you know, they fought it. It got out there, and it turns out it's a big nothing. So all those people who are sitting there going, you're hiding something, you know, guess what? Not the case. So all those people could suck it now, and we can move on past this. 
Yeah, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, and Dave, I'll say this to you, MLB informed, uh, Manfred informed the Yankees that the MLB's investigation found that the team's players watched monitors in 2015 and 2016 to discern pinch sequence information that was relayed to base runners in the hope they could communicate this to the batter. And sources told ESPN that the letter notes that Larry Rothschild, former Yankees pitching coach, called the replay room to ask about pitch identification, which is against the rules. Compared to what the Astros did, like I don't even understand why any of that is is a big deal. Yeah, I can't see why that would actually matter. Yeah, I'm just I'm just my mind is boggled that they spent four years fighting this and this is all that's been released. So I'm sorry, I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Ridiculous, but uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. And glad that you know it came out the way it did. We can move off of baseball, though. I'm going to bring this up just because this is something else that broke right around the time we started the show today. Mark Emmert, president, longtime president of the NCAA, supposedly is going to step down by the end of June of next year. Eric, do you have any thoughts about this one? No, I really don't. Okay. All right. That's all we got. What do you you got? Like, you got any thoughts on it? I mean, I know him simply because he's always he, he's the president of the NCAA. So anytime there's a scandal or anything, that's the face you see. But I know you follow NCAA and all that stuff closer than I do. So I, I feel like you'd be the one more likely to have thoughts on that. Me, I just know the face. You know? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't really have big thoughts on it, though, to be honest. Mm. Dave, do you have anything? Um, yeah, with you, I think the NCAA needs to be wiped clean on top to bottom. So maybe, uh, we get enough. This is the beginning of something. I, I mean, we've been talking for the last for a while now. I really think they're getting away from the NCAA. I think you're gonna see the power of five break off, do something on their own in the next few years, anyway. Well, the power of five do kind of run shit, so. I, I could kind of see that, but it would be interesting. It would be interesting though, because if they break off on their own, you could still still kind of have the NCAA, but now you have a new division. You know, that would be Division One, and everybody else would be Division Two if you think about it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I don't All think right. they'd do that because those Division One schools would lose way too much money. So. They're never going to consider themselves D2. Mm-hmm. All about I'm just, I, yeah. I'm just seeing what Cousin David put in the chat, and I'm keeping my thoughts to myself. Um. Anyway, all right. That That's about it in terms of stuff I wanted to bring up here. Do you guys have anything else you'd like to bring yeah, up? Yeah, I, I want to know what Cousin David's saying in the chat. Let's read it out loud. <laughs> all, he say, all he said was, well, it's more of a question to me. Mets and Braves in the NLCS? <laughs> I don't... I Listen, what I said earlier is really all the excitement I want to allow myself on a public stage. I'd be lying if I didn't say I had thoughts about what a perfect storybook ending would be. But I'm not going to say those yet because we're only 18 games in. 
And all I allowed myself to think about is how I'd like to see the first 63 games go. Next. <laughs> Anything else you guys wanted to bring up tonight? I think I'm covered. Eric? Yes, sir. I lost you for a second there. Oh. Can you There's... hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. No, I was asking if you had anything else you wanted to bring up tonight. No, I mean, that's everything for me. Um, other than, I mean... If we're going to get off sports, but yeah, that's that's all I got for you sports-wise for tonight. Fair enough. I don't really have anything non-baseball-wise to talk about, even though it's very interesting to see the reactions to this winning time show uh, from HBO. Because now apparently Jerry West is getting ready to take these guys to court over the way he's See, been you portrayed. like the show, right? Am I mistaken by saying that? But you like the show, right? Oh, it's very entertaining. Like, now it's... To go to your point that you made the first week I started talking about this, now I don't think you can totally look at this as a... Something... Like, if you want to know what actually happened, go read the book that this show is supposedly based on. Go look up Wikipedia. Go, go look up the actual records and everything of how things actually went down. It's there are probably some things that are true, but this is a straight performance. I'm entertained by the performances and everything. And quite frankly, Jason Clark as Jerry West had his best episode as Jerry West this past week's episode. But Jerry West has every reason to be pissed off at his betrayal in this show based on everything we've ever heard about Jerry West this show decided to be like, nope, we're going to use Jerry West for a different purpose. Now, see, because I was listening to uh, to your one of your favorite programs there, the the Carton and Roberts show. Okay. And they absolutely eviscerated this TV show. They hated it. Well, I... Listen, everybody... So I'm wondering, like, You've been talking to them now for for a bit, saying how good it is. They're saying it's absolutely horrific. I don't know what that's a little much. That's a little much horrific. Uh, Well, I'm curious. They're saying it is the worst show on television. If they're their words, I just want to know what they're basing that off of. Are they basing it on historical accuracy? The the, the accuracy, the acting, they really just don't love much about it. Like they don't think it's a good, well put together show. They think that, you know, it's that's just what they think. I don't know. But that's why when you've been talking it up over the last couple of weeks, I've been like, oh, I I should give it a shot. You know, I kind of like John C. Riley. I kind of like. You know, like what's going on there. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe. And then, well, you know what I would say to you? Like, I don't know. You know what I would say to you on that? I think the fact that there are so many opinions on this, you should watch it just to make your own opinion and see what's really up. Honestly, I don't think that should hurt anything I've said here. I think it should increase the case. Well, is Mike crazy or do these guys just not like the show? I mean, any excuse to prove me crazy. Dave, I mean, come on, Eric. You got to jump on that. Go ahead. Nah, any of it. Yeah. Listen, Have you I heard about it. Have you heard any mixed I, I've results? Heard, or you... 
mainly positive things about it. Listen, entertainment-wise, I think it's a really good show. Acting, I think there's a lot of really good performances in there. But eight episodes in, given everything I know, I, they are performances. I don't think they're necessarily... This is... You want to look up the real story, this probably is not the best route to go, if I'm being honest. But I'm not watching it for historical accuracy at this point. I didn't go in for historical accuracy. I went in just to see what it, what it was, and I've been entertained through eight episodes. And I say again, even though there were parts of this week episode I did not like, but there were parts of this episode I really liked. So... It was definitely a divisive episode, if I'm being honest. There was, there's a certain thing that happens in this episode that, uh, yeah, I really wish they didn't go there. And it actually involves Yo-Yo from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She is actually on this show. She showed up for the first time in this week's episode. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So... I really wish they would have done that better, though. I really did not like the way they do that. that that's, that's all I'm going to say, though. Other than that, you want to believe Carton and Roberts, you go right ahead. You all know I love those guys. So I got nothing against them. Uh, it's fine having a difference of opinion, though. Nah, I still prefer the case there. But... Fuck Michael K. No, I like K. I like K. To be honest, I like I like uh, LaGreca the best. But well, yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with you on that. I love Don LaGreca. He's awesome. Yeah, I'll, Fellow, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take Michael K over Carden Roberts any day. Now, well, I stand by my previous statement. So there's that. Uh, and I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I, no, 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 no. Because I listen, Eric. You say that every time I say something bad about Michael K. I love. Um, John Sterling, I love Susan Waldman. It's not a Yankee thing. Even though, I'm sorry, Michael K has the most overrated John home Sterling run. John Sterling is a senile old man, and that is coming I'll from the I like the senile old man no, who has to make a nickname he's, he's, of every player's name. I like that but, guy. No, but again, he is a guy. No, but apparently, like, I, I don't know. Like, Yeah, he could have a home run call for everybody and whatever, but that, I, I don't know. Yes, he's the voice of the Yankees. Yes, he's been doing it for a long That's time. That's the icon. That's the but icon. I also think that, you know, it's not the most entertaining broadcast to have him and Susan Waldman telling you stories from the 40s. Um, you know, so I just... Know your history. Know your history. Yeah, I, I'm good. I know my history. I don't need to hear them repeat the same stories, you know, every other game. I'm good. Well, you know? well if you listen every to it that much, the same it, teams and that they play every time they play the same teams, they tell the same stories. And oh, you know, I remember this. And no, oh, do you remember that? No, I remember the, this at this ballpark. And you know, it's just it's the same bullcrap. I don't know. Either way, though, I. Nah, you can tell me you love Sterling and, and Susie, but you, you hate Kay? I, I, I don't know. I don't get that. He has, he, let me say this. He has the most overrated home run call in the history of sports. See ya. See ya. So bland. So bland. Give me Gary Cohen losing his mind, and it's out of here. Give me that over see ya any day of the fucking week. John Stewart lose John Sterling. To me, it's, it's not the same thing. It's high. It is far. It is gone. That's a home run call. See no, but ya. I mean, come Give on. me a the, fucking some break. Of the stupid home home run calls. Though I mean, 
oh, that Gary is scary. Like, I mean, come on. It's it's a bit it's a bit over the top. And I'm a Yankee fan where I think sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't know. And this is a lot of calls too. He's he's the angel well, yeah. Hernandez of uh of announcing. He's been doing it for 35, 40 years. He's allowed to miss one every now and then. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, so is Angel and, Hernandez. Then. No, please. Angel Hernandez is the worst umpire in the history of sports. You're not going to compare John Sterling to him. Stop that. He's not. That's the, ridiculous. That. He's not the worst uh, announcer in all sports. Yeah, or, or ever, you know. Angel Hernandez say. is the worst. Come on. Like, that. That's that's a stretch. Well, ah, you made me forget what I was going to say, but that's fine. Dave, do you have any thoughts you'd like to chime in on this one? I just want to know between the guys you were arguing, saying sucks or you d dislike, would you rather them or Joe Buck? I don't hate Joe Buck as much as you guys do. I probably Joe would Buck say. Buck's awful. Yeah. I, I probably would say. Joe Buck calls baseball games, so or well, the World you don't Series. understand how happy I am that I don't have to hear Joe Buck on Sundays anymore because now he's on the Monday Night broadcast, but I don't even have to watch him there because I'll just watch the Manning cast. So mm. I mean, I I really have zero use for Aikman and Buck now, so I'm excited. Plus, you don't have to see him on any more Super Bowls or any more of that crap. I'm I'm good with less Joe Buck. I'm going to get in my life. I probably I probably would take Joe Buck over Michael Keck. I probably would. I'm not I'm just not even though I gotta be honest, I don't give a fuck either way. I'd probably still watch the game. I don't care, but but well I wouldn't watch the game because I don't really watch Yankee games. But that's fine. Eric doesn't really watch Met games. I don't really think we're wrong on either point there. So there's that. Gary Cohen is the best uh broadcaster in all of baseball. That's all I'm going to say. Everybody else is just fighting for second. I'm curious. Eric, do you agree with that? That Cohen's the best in all of baseball? No, I don't know. I don't even listen to him enough to really know. Um, so I, I'm not going to say that call, but I'm going to say that he's he's a good announcer, yeah. But I don't know if he's the best. Do you, would you take him over K? If you say no, that's fine. I'm just curious. No, right now I would take K. Just uh, I, I'm more familiar with him. So I mean, and I think he calls a good game. I think he's fair about mm. things. I think he's, you know, he's not as much of a Yankee homer as people make him out to be. So I, uh, yeah, I would, I would actually take K over Cohen. Although you know, um, but again, that's probably because it comes down to fandom a little bit. But yeah, at the same time, like I, I do enjoy the way the guy calls a game, mm. but. Yeah, I think no. we're talking all the lot about announcers, though, so I want to keep moving. <laughs> all right. Well, the only thing I will close that out for is to go to your point about familiarity. You've been listening to Michael Kay and John Sterling your entire life. I've been listening to Gary Cohen since I was 12 years old, first on the radio, then on TV. So they, they, that goes to your point there. But, yes, we can keep it moving. Unless you guys got anything else to bring up, Dave, I don't know. You got anything else you want to chime in? I'm good, man. It's nine o'clock. <laughs> I think I think it is time to end the show. So with that, we want to thank everybody for listening oh, here wait, tonight. Real quick, oh, real go ahead. Quick. Well, I got to throw it in just because it's one off the topic, off sports thing. I wanted to actually bring up with you guys two. Go right ahead. Two minor things. One, I did finally see Spider Man. Uh, no way home. 
Fantastic, so, right? Uh, good, but I mean, I think oh, a lot God. of it, I did know the spoilers, so it took away some enjoyment knowing, because, but again, I can't blame anybody. It's five months after the movie came out. You know what I sure, mean? Like, sure, sure. It's my own fault at this point. So did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I think it was the best Spider-Man movie I've seen? I don't know. Um, I really disliked William Defoe's Green Goblin, and like in a in a way where I was expecting to really like him, didn't like him. Thought that he was kind of like a you should have seen him coming character from the beginning. Like, oh, Peter, you're gonna help us, and I'm a scientist, and I can help you. And then all of a sudden, ah, I'm bad again. Like, just a I don't know, kind of a stupid turn and. Like, you know, I get it that that was part of what Defoe's character and whatever, and but I, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. So, well, other, I than that, though, I I, other than that, though, I enjoyed the rest of the movie, enjoyed the, the premise, enjoyed the rest of it, so I don't have a problem with anything else. Just that was the one thing. But I, I went into it, you know, knowing a lot of the spoilers, so I think that took some of the, like, oh, my gosh moments out of it for me. But I did still enjoy the did still enjoy it. So I just want to mention that to you guys because I know we haven't talked that um, and I know I'm the only one who hadn't seen it. So... Well, yeah. can I say one thing? I don't necessarily disagree with you for your William Defoe part. I thought the... Um, I thought Jamie Foxx was actually the best of all the villains, if I'm being honest. He, he was fantastic in that. But I'm, I'm curious. You knew the spoilers, yeah. You, did you know the scenes with the three of them were going to be that good? Um, no, but I mean, the chemistry, they're all good actors. So, I mean, you know, they're, they, they did it well, you know, mm. and enjoyable to the point where you didn't think it was too hokey. Like you, you understood what was going on. I mean, again, another plot hole point where all of a sudden Ned's like, oh yeah, my mom, my grandma said we had some magic in our family. And now all of a sudden he just works a sling ring. Oh, that was just funny. Her, that was just know. funny. Uh, but at the same time, it took, you know, Doctor Strange a little while to learn that in the first Doctor Strange. It was part of his growth, and Ned just picks it up, and he's like, oh, yeah, here I am, a wizard. You know, to me, that was just like, I think it's a little too quick of a transition. I wish they would have set that up in either of the previous two movies um, a little bit better so that it wasn't so just like, oh, hey, here's this, like, you know, thing that's going to help us move the plot along. You know, I, I don't know. That, to me, was a little... Oh, not my favorite. I, I, I didn't think about it that hard. I know you're not the only one who had the problem with it, but I was fine with it. Dave, hey, you got anything? You? What do you yeah, think? yeah, yeah. I mean, me personally, I, I didn't have an issue with it just because I love Ned's character in general. So I was like, shit, the more you should tell me, he's going to be talking to me mad about it. Um, but I do see, like, I don't have an argument for the point you're making. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me. I enjoyed it, but like, I don't think you're wrong at all for pointing that out and saying that it is kind of almost like lazy writing, I guess is probably like the way to kind of say it. But very convenient. Also, like, honestly, to me, like, the part of that entire movie that stuck out to me more than anything else was the end. Like, this poor kid, every movie you watch him in, he ends up, you know, basically having his heart broken. Like, he has to get his, you know, girl girl crushes father arrested and ruin her life. And then the second movie, you know, by the second movie, he's losing Tony Stark. 
And then in, you know, Infinity War, he's disappearing. And then, then in this fucking movie, this poor fucking kid, like, has to say goodbye to his two best friends. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just, I feel for And Aunt May. And Aunt May. Don't forget Aunt May. See, that was the big thing. I don't know if you knew that going in, but that was like, I, I, Dave said when we talked about it at first, you saw it coming, and yeah, but it was still kind of a shock to me when it happened, even though that was the point in the movie. I'm getting teary-eyed, and I'm sitting all by myself, and these four assholes coming to the theater. But the Uncle Ben-like character, but... I... Do we... No, I think... Eric, you kind of started breaking up and going digital there a little bit. Oh, uh, so that was me then. Okay, I knew yeah, something yeah. was up. Yep. I got you back though. You, so you that was all. So I just want to bring yeah. that. No, I just wanted to bring that up about. I did see it, so I want to get your guys' opinions now. Finally on it. Um, the other thing is, I, I don't know about this Moon Knight show. I, I, I got to be honest. I know they they twisted it there at the end of episode four. I, I'm just lost. I just threw my hands up. Jess looked at me and was like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "I got to be honest. I have no idea. No idea what's going on." None. So, and I mean that 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 big hippo-like creature that says hi at the end there to it isn't even from like the comics at all whatsoever. Never oh. mentioned once. So, like, I have no idea where they really come in, other than the fact that if this is some kind of like ancestral plane or something that he's crossing that bridge or through the reeds, the afterlife or whatever. That I know she's a character or a deity that is known with rebirth and and uh life so maybe she's the catalyst to steven and mark being reborn again you know as moon Knight. I, I i don't know but i'm just confused and not really sure why they took a turn to a mental facility like i know the guy Hello. Uh, no oh. <clears throat> he cut off now yeah, I know the guy, and I'm like, you know the guy what? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's still in the room. So, well, at least it's nice. It's not just me this time. I Have you seen Moon Knight at all? Yeah, I'm all caught up. Eric's not wrong with what he was saying, that it did get a little confusing. I did have to go to Wikipedia myself just to figure things out. I do that sometimes because they got the synopsises and everything. Um, I like it. I want to see where it goes. Uh, it was a hell of a twist. Uh, I mean, when it's all there, it was a hell of a twist and definitely made you like, what the f- is going on? So, we'll yeah. see what happens. Two episodes left. It's Marvel. They do, they do things. So, like, I, like, we've always, I think all of us have always agreed on one thing. Until Marvel lets us down, I'm going to have faith in Marvel. Yeah. And you can say what you want. Like, these TV shows have been good and everything. I don't <clears throat> I don't necessarily think there's been one really bang-up great one since the first couple ones they put out. It's not exactly like they've had a dud yet. So I'll keep no. going. Exactly. I don't think any of them have been duds. I think Loki and WandaVision were the two best. I would throw Falcon and Winter Soldier into that. I would throw the, the three of them kind of jockey back and forth because I really liked Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
I I did too, but like I mean, yeah, top three. But like, all in all, I just think that like when I watched like the story of WandaVision was um the story and impact overall MCU so that's why I just would have put them as my top two. Fair enough. All right, yeah, he is by. <coughs> Excuse me. I let him back in. He's here, Eric. All right, go ahead. No, I don't know where I cut off, but either way, I'm just saying that I'm I'm not liking the twist down the rabbit hole of uh, this insane asylum, and I'm just confused as hell. I don't know where I left off with you guys. How much of my rambling you heard? But I went for like a minute there or two. Dave, what did you say was his last word? You you were talking about the deity, and then you're like, I know this guy. And that's where you cut off. The last thing you said was, "Oh, I the know- deity," because it, because it is an Egyptian deity, but they're not. It's not somebody from Marvel Comics, the hippo. It's uh, she is the de- a deity in uh, Egyptian mythology, though that was known for like rebirth and life, and um. So I I don't know. Maybe this is Mark and Stephen going through the ancestral plane, and she's gonna have something to do with their, you know, him coming back to life. Um, after we see him get shot, but I mean, I, I just don't know where they're going with this show. There's two episodes left. It literally ties into nothing else in the MCU to the point where they have yet to mention anything else from the MCU outside of, I think there might've been like a GRC reference, which is, uh, like for the, you know, global repatriation council that they had in like Falcon or uh, whatever else. I think that's the only tie in whatsoever to the MCU, um so far and from what i know is oscar isaac signed this deal as a one-off so he doesn't have any other future projects he's not signed to a five picture deal he's not anything he's just contracted for this and this alone so he could kind of pick whatever projects he wants to come in and out of next like i have no idea where they're going or how this show is going to tie up in two more episodes yeah i don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying i'm just I'm in, I'm still intrigued to see where it goes. And I, I said that uh, when you got cut off. We're, yeah. we're two-thirds of the way through this journey already. Shouldn't you have an idea of where this ship is going? Shouldn't you have an idea of the direction of this show? Right now, all we know is that the Harrow's chasing Scarab because they all want to find this tomb of, you know, uh, uh, what's the a new... Um, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't it, remember that. Anu it maybe? Isn't it Anu? Anu? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's not important. We we know who it is. Either way, they're searching for that tomb, but what does that mean? And now Conchu's in stone, so Mark can't even go into Moon Knight form. Uh, I have no idea really what's happening here. Like, like we're, we're, we're now into episode five, and as of right now, we had zero Moon Knight in episode four of Moon Knight. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but i don't well, think it was... where like you're intrigued i want to see more moon knight the fucking name of the show is goddamn moon knight i want to see moon knight i want to see him wrecking fools i want to see him doing things to me this is a character study that i didn't need yeah but i mean i'm gonna say this i mean to go off of that like me and dave have both seen daredevil i know you didn't get into the uh netflix mcu shows they didn't call 
Daredevil, Daredevil until the very last episode anyway. So I guess I'm a little more used to things like that. But again, I, I that's what they called him. He was still Daredevil throughout the show. He didn't he get the red. He ass. didn't get. He didn't get the red outfit until the last episode of the first season. Okay, but he was still kicking ass throughout the season, correct? Oh, there were some badass fight scenes. Yeah. Um, episode one, all the fight scenes got cut out, and we just got Steven with whole oh, surprise faces every eight seconds. Um, episodes two and three, we got a little bit of fighting, a little bit of Moon Knight, a little bit of here and there and there, but not a ton. And episode four had zero Moon Knight whatsoever. But still has some good fight scenes. Eh. They were decent. Eh. Yeah. I'm watching a Marvel movie. I'm, a, I'm watching a Marvel production. I'm expecting better than eh. I mean, WandaVision I didn't have any fight scenes till the end. Becoming. That's what their product's becoming. Eh. But it's not becoming I hate it. It could in the next two episodes. I got to tell you, they give me episode five where I got to go through the first half with no Moon Knight again. I, I don't know how in tune I'm going to be for the second half in episode six. And like, really, what are they like? What is like this all coming? You know, like what's going to happen? Like, what? Are, That's like, why what you the watch the show. No, but what is the end game? Like, normally you have, like, a plot. You have something where, like, you know what each side is doing or what they're I going mean, for. What they're... You have no fucking idea what the, what Mark's intentions are with Steven. Steven just doesn't want to be involved at all. He doesn't know how the hell any of this is happening. Mark wants to hide shit, but it seems like there's a third character who's still locked away in a in a tut. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to have to unlock that guy to figure out more of the pieces to be able to put something together to get the hell out of there to, I don't know, cross back into the real world to be able to defeat Harrow somehow. But Harrow doesn't really seem like that hard a guy to defeat. You take away his cane and you can kick him over. I don't understand. Well, you got to you got to do Thanos level threat here. We're we're old guy with glass in his shoes. Who can conjure up demon dogs? He can yeah, conjure up demon magic, shit. Yeah, and then you take away his magic cane, and he's a old, weird old man <laughs> living in a cult society. Like, I, I don't understand. Like I, to me, this isn't. It, I was more intrigued when the see when this like show started and the season started. This far along, two episodes left. They're gonna have to rush through everything to make any sense of this season. And by doing that, I don't understand how they could be looking at this as, as a good show. Um, so, I mean, Oscar Isaac, I'm not knocking his performance. Great performance. Uh, the girl who plays Layla is, is amazing, too. Um, Ethan Hawke is a great actor. I'm not taking away from the acting performances, per se. I'm just saying a little bit of lazy writing, a little bit of, like, you know, not really making it a Marvel production is kind of taking me out of it a bit. Well, here's where I think it's going. I think the last episode, there will be a big fight scene between either Anyu and Khonshu directly or Anyu taking over Harrow and Moon Knight fighting him. That's what I'm going to say. Dave, you got anything you want to throw in? Hey, Mets are up to nothing. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a good ending, but I, they're definitely leaving you up in the air on what the hell is going on now. That is for sure. So... You're wrong. I just think it is something where, like, I've, I've done a little, so like, I do know that one of the points you made is actually correct um, about the third person that needs to be unlocked. 
So, like, I think it, I think it's going to be interesting. And from some of the things I started reading about um, the character Moon Knight and learning about, like, some of his comic book history, like, dude actually seems like a pretty badass. So I'm definitely curious to see. Now, do you legitimately wants. like this show? Or do you like it because Marvel tells you to like it? Like, is it one of those where you're like, yeah, it's a, it's a Marvel show. It's all right, you know? Or are you like, I really enjoy this show? I really enjoy the show. Okay. So I'm on the outside on this one looking in. But, yeah, no, I'm in one of the categories where I'm like, eh, it's a Marvel show. I guess, you know, Miss Marvel's next. And I don't have high hopes for that one either. Mm. So I Listen, think it's I... going to be more like, like, I don't know, teen drama-ish than it is going to be like, you know. But again, that's that, that that's the character, though, so I have to know that and go into it with that mindset. I mean, but either she, way... She is a teenager, so there would be teenage drama. Yeah, so that's what I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Ready for the teenage angst of Marvel. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Listen, I get the confusion thing, and I get the idea of where is it going. I get all that. I, I've been entertained by what I've seen before uh, so far. It hasn't turned me off. I will say that. So, all right. Do we have anything else? Uh, no, no, once, no, twice. You. Okay. All right. So I think now it's late enough. Seems like a good time to end the show. So I do want to thank everybody for listening to us on all our podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Do want to thank Cousin David in the chat, Eric Pfeiffer and Larry Schmelrose making their long-awaited return. Always good to you, see it them. It was a full show. It was a full yes. show tonight. I'm I'm yeah. extra sweaty. It was, you know, between the extra half hour or so of hockey talk we got in there at the beginning uh, to the football talk, to the baseball talk, basketball. Uh, I mean, even the, even this Marvel stuff here at the end and, and other stuff. Full-on sweaty night, man. I, I got to say, I, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it has been fun. We did manage to fit a lot in here. So we went a little supersized edition on this one tonight, but it was a good time. And always thank you guys for being here. So let's do some final thoughts here. Dave Hastings. Today was a good day, gentlemen. <laughs> well, it was a good show. I don't know about good day for me. It's goddamn fucking Roku. But anyway. Even above ground, it's a good day. That's fair. That's fair. Eric Tressler. Until uh, next time, stay sweaty, my friends. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes. And I am Mike Agliloro. Thank you all once again for listening. We will see you all next week. <laughs>